Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today you'll be hearing part two of the murder of Nicole Montalvo. Small talk sucks, so let's dive in. Last week, we went over the repeated domestic abuse Nicole suffered at the hands of her estranged husband, Chris Rivera, and her disappearance after dropping her son off at Chris's parents' house, Angel and Wanda, where Chris was on house arrest for his 2018 attack on Nicole when he tried to break her neck. Within days of going missing, Nicole's remains were found on the Rivera property, and not only was Chris arrested, but his father, Angel, was too. And while they'd been arrested, the charges were unrelated. After finding Nicole's remains disassembled, as the sheriff put it, on the five-acre property the Rivera home sat on, police searched a second property belonging to the family where they found more suspected human remains, which did in fact belong to Nicole. After finding the second set of remains, the sheriff announced that Chris and Angel were finally charged with Nicole's murder, but those were just the first two arrests. On November 1st, 2019, another arrest was made, and it was Wanda, Nicole's mother-in-law, who also lived on the property. She was charged with tampering with evidence and giving false statements to law enforcement. At the press conference where the sheriff announced her arrest, he said that there were still other people involved and that detectives would be knocking on their doors soon. This wasn't a sheriff who was just standing behind a podium reading from a script. He knew the ins and outs of Nicole's case and he spoke with a passion. When questions were asked by the media, he didn't just say no comment. He either answered the question or he explained why he couldn't. He was never evasive, and you could tell that his heart was in the fight for justice for Nicole. So when he said that even more people might be involved, everyone, albeit in shock, believed him. When a reporter asked what they thought the motive might be, the sheriff told them that he thinks Chris simply didn't want her anymore, but he didn't want anyone else to have her either. You see, Chris had a girlfriend, but that didn't matter. Whether or not he had moved on from Nicole, she was not allowed to. The sheriff continued his response about the motive and said something that I think is really important. People are not property. You do not own anyone. You don't own their body. You don't own their emotions. And you have no rights to them. Every aspect of any relationship is a privilege. They're a privilege to earn and a privilege to keep. But abusers don't see it that way. Nicole's abuser didn't see it that way. When the press conference was over, I kid you not, the sheriff let everyone know that Wanda would be walking out the side door to take her siren taxi to jail and welcomed everyone to go out back to get a glimpse of it. And rest assured, everyone did. She was given a $100,000 bond, but according to My News 13, this woman bonded out within hours. When it comes to bond, you generally have to pay 10% to be able to get out, which means that Wanda was able to come up with around $10,000 in less than 24 hours. Just three days after the third arrest, WESH reports that there was a fourth, but again on unrelated charges. And wouldn't you know, it's yet another member of the Rivera family, 
This is number four if we're counting, which we definitely are. Arrest number four was Chris's brother, Nicholas Rivera. He was arrested for possession of child pornography, which WESH reports they'd found on his cell phone during the investigation into Nicole's murder. When they found him, he wasn't in Florida anymore. He'd made it to Georgia. Nicholas's charges started with eight counts of child pornography. Then there were reports of 24, but with time, more were added because when I pulled his records, I counted 32 counts for unlawful possession of materials depicting sexual performance by a child, one charge of transmission of pornography by electronic device equipment, and one charge of unlawful use of a two-way communications device. I found additional charges that were brought against him later, which included lewd or lascivious behavior, lewd or lascivious battery, and two counts of traveling to meet a minor. This family is a nightmare. Nicholas was the Rivera associated with the second property that they'd found some of Nicole's remains at. At this point, People.com reported that he was officially a person of interest in Nicole's murder. But just like his mommy, he was able to bond out just a few days later. Where his family is getting all of this money is a mystery in and of itself. A couple of weeks after the fourth Rivera was arrested, Chris's half-brother Julio spoke to Click Orlando and told them that he wasn't surprised his family was being linked to Nicole's murder. He told them that he'd actually run away from the family after what he says was years of abuse. He continued on to say that what was done to Nicole was inhumane, barbaric, and that no actual human being with a soul could do something so heinous, which I think we can all agree with. But just in case you were wondering, Julio has his own record, which is very similar to Chris's, including battery, domestic violence, and child abuse. Again, this family is a nightmare. On December 3rd, 2019, with Wanda and Nicholas out on bond, things got a little weird when it came to Chris and Angel's murder charges. Chris's attorney filed to have him released on his own recognizance for the murder charge, which seems insane, right? But apparently the prosecutors hadn't presented any evidence against him, which seemed to make no sense at all. I mean, the sheriff had said they were both charged with murder, but I guess there was more to it. I mean, I've covered countless cases and I've never seen this before. And while Chris's probation violation came with no bond and he'd stay in jail regardless of them dropping the bond for murder, his bond for the murder charge was dropped because of all of this. To make matters even worse, this shit show of a what the fuck happened on the day of Nicole's memorial. The day her family and friends were saying goodbye to her, they were also having to process this seemingly massive blow to the fight for justice for her. Everyone was processing the shock of Chris's bond getting dropped for the murder charge and whatever the hell happened there. But a couple of weeks later, both Chris and Angel wound up getting additional charges pressed against them. Angel was charged with abuse of a dead body and failure to report a death. Chris was also charged with failure to report a death. At this point, Chris was still being held without bond for his parole violation, but WESH reports that Angel's bond was increased to $350,000. These charges felt like such a step down from everything else. I mean, this was more than a death. We all know that. But frankly, it's just nice to know that they were still actively pursuing them. 
The whole the sheriff pressed charges and the prosecutor didn't present any evidence thing seemed to mark the beginning of a beef between the two, but it also seemed to initiate this domino effect of unsealing documents so that everyone would know what evidence the sheriff department had on the Riveras. This is one of the only cases where I've seen this many details released prior to going to trial, so here we go. The first document unsealed was Angel's arrest affidavit, which WESH and Click Orlando were both able to get a copy of. The affidavit references a text message that was sent from Nicole's phone two hours after she dropped her son off at the Rivera's house. It was a text to Angel of all people saying, I'm really sorry about everything. I should have listened to you. I made a bad mistake. I need you and Wanda to take care of my son for a few days until I get things figured out. Please do this for my son. I'm with a friend who's going to help me through this. Tell my son mommy loves him. This seems suspicious AF and even more so when you find out what Angel told the police when he was questioned about Nicole's disappearance. When police first questioned Angel about Nicole's disappearance, he told detectives that he'd been taking care of Nicole's son for months and that Nicole had only been dropping him off and picking him up from school and that he too had become concerned when Nicole hadn't picked him up on the 22nd, but says that he just figured she was out with some guy. Click Orlando reports that Angel was actually the one who wound up picking her son up. But even in Nicole's death, her father-in-law was alluding to the police that her non-existent promiscuity might be to blame for her disappearance. Let that sink in. Angel seemed to contradict his own statement, though, when he told police that Nicole hadn't been home in a while. He said she dropped her son off and picked him up from school every day. As he stated, that was her only role in her son's life at the moment. And while wildly untrue, how would he know if she hadn't been home in a while? Nicole didn't live with him. She lived in an apartment on her own with her son, which she busted her ass to pay for. And just to further acknowledge that his bullshit statements were just that, Nicole had taken multiple photos with her son in the months leading up to her death, and they were not in the parent pickup line. The second part of this affidavit gets horrifyingly graphic. According to Click Orlando, the possible human remains they'd found in the back of the first Rivera property were just Nicole's organs. That's it. In later documents, they say that pieces of Nicole's remains were found in several different areas throughout the Rivera property. They also found a burn pit containing fabric, bone fragments, body parts, and a metal hoop. When I read about the metal hoop, I went on Nicole's Facebook account to see if she wore hoop earrings, only to find out that Nicole only wore hoop earrings. In all of the photos I found of her wearing earrings, I counted 64 of them, I only found one photo where she was wearing any other earrings than metal hoops. The documents against Chris and Angel kept coming, and the next one talked about that ankle monitor Chris was ordered to wear while he was on house arrest. It showed Chris walking around that five-acre property, but not just aimlessly. Law enforcement meticulously mapped out all of his movements around the time of Nicole's murder, and they were back and forth between the specific places on the property where they'd found her remains. 
But that was only one of the GPS monitors that they were able to trace back to Nicole's murder. You see, the police only searched the second Rivera property because Angel had rented an excavator shortly after Nicole went missing. When you rent damn near anything on wheels, it's going to be equipped with a tracking device in case someone decides to steal it. When police found out about the rented excavator, they went and got the GPS data from it and found that it had traveled from the first Rivera property and onto the second Rivera property down the road. Angel, without knowing, had led police to more of Nicole's remains. Just when we thought all of the possible documents to unseal had been unsealed, an additional 1,100 pages of documents on Nicole's case were released. And as always, WESH and Click Orlando were all over it. These documents were where we learned about the witnesses. Remember Nicholas Rivera, the one with all the child pornography charges? Well, according to Click Orlando, he told police that on the night of the 21st, he heard his family arguing with Nicole. WESH reports that a few minutes after that argument, he walked into the garage to see Chris and Angel standing around Nicole's dead body. According to him, she was lying in a pool of blood that looked like it was coming from her neck. It's around this point where he says his mother told him to leave. However, later that night, he says that he heard Chris and Angel using an excavator and cleaning a push cart, which he assumed had something to do with Nicole's death. I didn't know exactly what a push cart meant, so I asked around only to find out that they're frequently used by mechanics to push around specific tools they need for a job so they don't have to keep running back and forth. And Angel was a mechanic. Nicholas also mentioned to police that he'd seen his father drive away from the property in Nicole's car, which Angel himself, knowingly or not, seemed to kind of corroborate because according to Click Orlando, Angel flat out admitted that his prints would be in her car. The unleashing of documents continued and Click Orlando reported that blood and other forensic evidence was found on the garage floor as well as the laundry room, a hallway, and an orange pushcart all at the Rivera home. When they ran tests to narrow down who the blood in the garage belonged to, Nicole and Chris were excluded, but Angel couldn't be. When they ran the same tests on the blood found in the laundry room, neither Nicole, Chris, nor Angel could be excluded from that sample. The evidence found on the pushcart and in the hallway had yet to be determined. Nicholas wasn't the only witness, though. WESH reports that a woman who rented a room from Angel said that she saw the pair working with an excavator on the property on the 21st. And when Nicole's son ran out towards them, she says that Wanda held him back. To Nicole's son, he was just running out to help his grandpa on the tractor. He had no idea that they were using it to bury the remains of his dismembered mother. We also learned through these documents that Nicole's murder happened just two days after Click Orlando reports Nicole messaged a friend on Facebook. She told her friend, he'll never leave me alone unless I go, and that her in-laws were calling her a bad mother because she worked. Nicole also said that she was trying to leave, but her father-in-law, Angel, was threatening to take her son away from her. She even told her friend that her own son was telling her to stay away from daddy. Her friend's response was heartfelt and terrified and included, he tried to kill you before, he could kill you in the future. 
After finally being able to get away from Chris, Nicole's entire life was still revolving around the fear that he and his family instilled in her. Fear of violence and the threats that her abuser and his family would take away her son and she wouldn't be able to protect him anymore. At this point, knowing everything we know, it seemed like there was no shadow of any possible doubt that the right people were in jail. I mean, there was no way they were getting out, right? So everyone waited and waited and waited for those official murder charges, but the opposite happened. On January 12th of 2020, WESH reports that Angel's bond was actually lowered from $350,000 to $170,000. And I wish I was kidding when I told you that this pickle shit monster bonded out the very next day. How many times does the Rivera family need to be charged with something heinous before anyone actually protects the public from them? There were witnesses, there was forensic evidence, there were two separate GPS monitors, conflicting statements to police, and human remains found scattered across his property. Scratch that. Properties. And here he was, out on bond. According to WESH, Angel had claimed in court that he only made $250 a month, but he, his wife, and his son had paid tens of thousands of dollars to get out of jail at the drop of a hat. Can you imagine being the abused wife of a family that's capable of coming up with this kind of money in a matter of days multiple times? It took three days. Three days after Angel was released on bond, WFTV reports that the DA requested a hearing to revoke said bond. Why, you ask? Because in true Angel fashion, he didn't give a single fuck about the law. Angel had one rule. He couldn't go back to his property. And what did he do? Exactly that. So, his bond was revoked and he was sent straight back to jail. He paid all of that money for three days of freedom. And you have to wonder, what did he plan to do there? What did he pay $17,000 to try and do, knowing it would send him back to jail if he got caught? At this point, no one could understand what was going on. Between confusion about there being no evidence presented for the murder charges, all these documents being released, and then Angel being allowed out on bond when he's clearly a no-fucks-given threat to the public. But it just got worse. On January 17th, the state attorney handling Nicole's case held a press conference. And you might think it would be something similar to the sheriff's press conference, but no. It was a press conference about the sheriff. Click Orlando quotes her as saying that the sheriff has offered facts that are simply not true and that he has made conclusions that are in direct conflict with the evidence or significant lack thereof. Significant lack of evidence? Are we talking about the same case? She even threw in the fact that she didn't have an upcoming election or any interest in pandering for selfish gain. The outlet reports that this state attorney went so far as to write the whole ass governor asking to have the sheriff removed from the case, claiming that he was jeopardizing the investigation and slandering her. 
She mentioned something along the lines of the sheriff has taken responsibility and that she'd asked him to refrain from making public statements, which doesn't sound like him. She also added that they don't know who killed Nicole, okay, and asked that anyone with information please come forward. The day after this press conference, the sheriff sent a request of his own that the case be given to the attorney general's office since it didn't seem like anyone was interested in filing these murder charges. Confused at this beef but following the sheriff's request, someone from the AG's office took a look at Nicole's case and said that their preliminary opinion was that there are charges that can be filed against Chris and Angel and that they request to take over the case, but only the governor can decide that. Two weeks go by while everyone waits for some kind of answer as to who's going to be handling Nicole's case so we can finally get some kind of justice for her, and the governor makes a decision. He decides to hand the case over to a different state's attorney, and it took this new guy just a little more than one month to take Nicole's case to a grand jury where Chris was formally indicted on second-degree murder, abuse of a dead body, and tampering with evidence. He pled not guilty. A month and a half later, Angel was charged with the same. And in a sweep of justice for Nicole, a month after Angel was indicted, Wanda was also charged with accessory after the fact and tampering with evidence. Now, you might think that this is where the case slows down and we wait until trial to learn anything else, but that's not how Nicole's case goes. In May of 2020, Click Orlando got a hold of CCTV footage of Angel's truck heading towards Big Sky Avenue, which, as you recall, is where Nicole's car had been found. It would make sense that whoever ditched it would need a ride back. The problem, though, is that they don't know who was driving Angel's truck or who drove Nicole's. I mean, they had Nicholas's statement about seeing his dad drive away in Nicole's vehicle, but it was just that, a statement and one made by a guy sitting on a stack of child porn charges, among others. You'd think that maybe they could narrow down who was driving the truck by tracking Chris's GPS monitor or Angel or Wanda's cell phones, but according to the outlet, Chris's GPS had him at the house when the truck was seen on CCTV, and Angel and Wanda's cell phones never left either. But maybe that's because Angel had attended that trial of the other woman charged in Chris's 2018 attack on Nicole, and while he was there, took extensive notes on cell phone tracking. Click Orlando reports that based on the notes he took at that trial, he learned how cell phone mapping is used to catch criminals. In the end, Law and Crime reports that because they couldn't prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Wanda was involved in moving Nicole's car, her charges were dropped. With the pressure on with the new murder charges and Nicholas and Wanda out as far as involvement, Angel decides that he's going to take a shot at rolling on Chris. WFTV got a hold of a document detailing an interview between Angel and the prosecutor, where he says that he saw Chris with Nicole's body in the workshop and that Chris told him that he'd cut up Nicole's body with a big blade. He told the prosecutor that Nicole did leave the property after dropping her son off on the 21st, but that she'd come back to be with Chris and he'd essentially had no idea. Angel's effort to accomplish whatever he hoped to accomplish by this meeting seems to have been a big fat swing and a miss from the king of bullshit against his heir to the throne. He got no deal and sat his ass in jail until the trial. And on Tuesday, April 13th of 2021, it began. Yes, less than two weeks ago. 
which is one of the several reasons Nicole's case had to be a two-parter. Not only did I want you guys to hear Nicole's entire story, I wanted you to know the resolution. Chris and Angel were tried together, and in opening statements, Chris's defense tried to throw all the blame on Angel, saying that all evidence points towards him. That defense would only get him so far, though, because Chris's history told an even more fucked-up story. WESH reports that during his eight-month stint in jail for attacking Nicole and trying to break her neck, Chris told other inmates in his pod that he wanted her dead. More specifically, Click Orlando reports that Chris went so far as to mention how he wanted to make that happen, including a car bomb, and it wasn't just some passing statement. MSN reported that an inmate testified that Chris had mentioned extremely specific ways of creating an effective car bomb. The article went into detail that I'm not going to put in here because when I went to corroborate his statement, I stumbled across some stuff that absolutely shouldn't be on the internet and people who shouldn't have access to human beings. It was bad and I had to make a few phone calls, but let's get back to the trial. WFTV reported on a second jailhouse informant who took the stand. He testified that Angel and Chris helped him get out of jail under the pretense that he would plant drugs on Nicole so that she would lose custody of her son. That inmate's father also testified and said that he'd actually met up with Angel to get the money for his son's bond. Wanda took the stand as well, and according to WFTV, she said that she talked to Nicole the day she dropped her son off at their house and that Nicole never mentioned anything about going away, which directly goes against that text sent from her phone to Angel's, and it also goes against Angel's statement to police that they'd been taking care of her son for months. She also said that Chris and Angel were at the house when that rental excavator arrived, but that she couldn't say what they did with it while she was at work. According to WESH, Wanda said she only found out about Nicole's remains being found on her property when she saw it on the news. Now, WFTV reported on several neighbors who testified, one of whom who said they saw digging on the Rivera property after Nicole was killed. One neighbor said they specifically saw Angel driving that rented excavator and turning it onto the second property where more of Nicole's remains were found. But one of the most damning testimonies from the neighbors was one who said that Angel had offered him $10,000 to kill Nicole. Angel had given bail money to the father of an inmate who was in jail with Chris so that he could plant drugs on Nicole and had offered $10,000 to his neighbor to kill her, all while she was fighting like hell to get away from them. And I don't want to play the blame game here because the only people responsible for Nicole's murder are the ones who murdered her, but I have to wonder what would have happened if any of these people had reported this. Nicholas Rivera eventually took the stand, who was at one point a person of interest in this case, but is now serving 10 years for child pornography charges and then some. The reports on whether Nicholas saw or heard Angel cleaning off that pushcart are conflicting, but WFTV reports that regardless of whether he heard it or saw it, that pushcart tested positive for Nicole's DNA. The next part of this trial coverage is going to go over Nicole's remains, and it's going to be pretty source-heavy. So many stations did an incredible job covering this trial, and each station covered something that the other didn't. According to WESH, the medical examiner only received less than half of Nicole's remains, which means that more than half are still out there somewhere. 
around Osceola reported that the forensic unit supervisor tested that they'd found her head, a severed hand, and her feet. According to My News 13, the ME stated that Nicole's body had been dismembered to a level that she'd never seen before. WFTV reports that an anthropologist also testified and said that it looked like after Nicole was dismembered, the dismembered pieces of her body were cut into even smaller parts. Jeff Deal with WFTV quotes the ME as saying that some of Nicole's bones looked like they'd gone through a wood chipper. Because of the extent of what was done to Nicole's body after she was murdered, there was no way to determine exactly how she was killed. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. The defense's only real argument was that hardly any of Nicole's blood was found on the property, which, while shocking considering what was done to her, didn't negate all of the previous evidence presented. The conflicting statements, the witness statements, the inmate they got out of jail in hopes to plant drugs on Nicole, the neighbor that was offered $10,000 to kill her, and the two separate GPS monitors tying them to several spots across their two properties where Nicole's remains were found. Last week, on April 25th, 2021, the jury was sent out for deliberations, and it only took them two hours to reach a verdict. Both Chris and Angel were found guilty on all counts. Their sentencing hearing has yet to be scheduled, but both are facing life in prison. As soon as their sentences are handed down, I will be sure to update you. The only thing Nicole ever did was love someone who presented the illusion of loving her back. And when she thought was love turned into abuse, she tried to leave, but her abuser and his family made sure that didn't happen. All Nicole ever wanted was to love and protect her son and to be able to live a life where she wasn't looking over her shoulder waiting for the next attack. And she wasn't even allowed that. Her son is now living in the loving care of Nicole's parents and has to live the rest of his life without a mother who stopped at nothing to protect him and a father and a grandfather who killed her because of it. If you are experiencing any form of domestic abuse, please reach out, whether it's to the police, the National Domestic Violence Hotline, a safe house, a family member, or a friend. Please reach out. The National Domestic Violence Hotline is available 24 hours a day at 1-800-799-SAFE or 1-800-799-7233. The hotline.org also offers countless resources, including live chat options. Domestic abuse is terrifying and isolating, but know that you are not alone. You are loved and there is help available. For all photos and maps pertaining to Nicole's case, check out her highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley and join me there tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern where you go live with me and we talk about her case. 
If you like your podcast ad-free, head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bigmadtruecrime, where for just one whole dollar a month, your episodes are totally ad-free. If you need more episodes in your life for just $5 a month, you get a bonus episode on the first Monday of every month. All your episodes are ad-free, and you'll also receive a forever discount code for all Big Mad True Crime merch. And of course, anytime you sign up, you get instant access to all previous bonus episodes. I'll be bringing you a brand new case a week from today, and I cannot wait. But until then, we out.